0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week.
1: Well, good morning to you. Welcome to Bible Center. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here and excited to be with you this morning. Um, How many of you are in the season of your life where you just find yourself sucking wind all week long? Yeah, anybody like me? I feel like we're just running, like there's just absolutely no space um, at all, so if that's you, I'm with you, totally with you, but uh, we're glad to be together this morning where maybe we can take a breath together, Um, so it's an opportunity to do that as a church body. Uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about where we're headed as a church, where we feel like God is taking us in the next year and maybe in the next seven to eight years. Uh, one of the tools that we gave you last week was this little booklet. And so if you did not get a copy of this, there are more available that you can find on the, by the doors on your way in or out this morning. Um, but it's a great look at what is to come when we think about this year and what we're gonna talk about and what we're gonna double down on. And honestly, the journey that we're gonna find ourselves on together as we navigate this year. Um, Today, we're going to look in particular at the last objective. If you remember last week, if you were here with us last week, we got through one through three, and I feel like that's quite an accomplishment, right, in one service, to get through one through three. And so today, we're going to look at objective number four. But I was thinking this week about this concept of vision. Vision. Have you ever thought about vision before? how vision takes place, how it comes to be, how it comes to pass. So vision in reality is imagination. It's the ability to think about the future. Last week we talked about how there's a definition of vision that has both imagination and wisdom in it. When you think about the future, when you, when you envision what will take place in the future. But vision is one of those things that sometimes can sound crazy, right? Because a lot of times vision is about something that has yet to happen. So there are lots of things in our society that are examples of vision. Let's take, for instance, one of the phones that many of us carry in our pockets, an iPhone. You remember when the iPhone first happened? When it first happened? Well, in those days, back in those days... We had to carry a phone and an iPod, like two devices. And so Steve Jobs came along and he said, I have this idea, I have this concept of what if we took those two things and we turned them into one little computer that you could carry in your pocket that also made phone calls. And now we're to the place where we rarely use it for phone calls, we use it for all kinds of other stuff. But that was vision, right? That was an idea that I'm sure that he presented to a group of people. And in those group of people, there were some that were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And others that went, that'll never work, right? Because that's people. But that's an example of vision. When you think about vision in society, every idea that's ever come to pass began with vision. So in other words, everything that's been created Throughout history, began with vision. It's fun talking to you guys and, and about life and careers and all of those kind of things because Bible Center is full of people who have vision. It's full of people who have vision. They're always thinking about what can we do? How can things be better? How can things be accomplished in a different way? It's remarkable the group of people that God has united under this roof. Vision is a common thing in society. Vision is a common thing in society. It happens all the time, all around us. But in society, vision typically follows this path in culture. It goes from idea to concept to strategy to execution. We tend to follow that path. So in any corporation or any 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 business or whatever it might be, it kind of, that's the way you go. Like even in car companies, for example, we have concept cars, right? Concept cars. So it's an idea, somebody sketches it out, and then we develop a concept car that we use to kind of test to see if that's right, wrong, or might work, might not work. And then if it works, it goes into execution and strategy. All of those components are part of just culture when we unroll vision to make it into reality. We're gonna talk this morning about how in the church, vision becomes reality. From vision, an idea, a concept, uh, something that we've put together imagining the future, how does that then turn into reality? Something that's true, something that we live. Because it's a little bit different in the church than it is in culture. So in culture, one of the differences is that most of the time vision is there to increase the bottom line, shift the paradigm, adopt a product, different things like that. But in the church, vision is there to introduce the world to Jesus. And so that the world will become increasingly more like him. That's our bottom line. That's our product, so to speak. That's the mission. So we're going to go this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I'd encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to spend most of our time there. And we're kicking off a series this morning That's going to take us through the book of, or the chapter of Ephesians chapter 4. So, we're introing that chapter this morning. And so, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on. But, you're going to find yourself in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. And I think as we read through the end of Ephesians chapter 3, I think there are three things that we can pull out that answer the question in the church, for the church, how does vision become? We're gonna have some fun this morning as we look at this. So this is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was not a Jewish church. It was not a Jewish church. So this was a group of people who were not Israelites. They were what was called Gentiles. That would be us. We were not of, of Jewish background or Jewish origin. And this letter, unlike many of the letters that Paul wrote, was not written to address a problem. So if you read through all the different letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament to different churches, most of the time you're gonna find him addressing a problem and sometimes pretty head on. But in this letter, it's a letter of encouragement. This was a church that he loved, big time loved. Made a couple visits there on his journeys and really, really loved being with his church. And so he was writing a letter of encouragement. So you can break the book of Ephesians up into two categories. Chapters one through three have to do with theology. And the theology is two people groups put together to make one. So Jews and Gentiles both now having access to God through Jesus. And so that's the first three chapters of Ephesians. So there's a unity message. And then the the last three chapters of Ephesians are, are application, they're practical. Based on the things I've just told you, now here's how you should live. And so as we go through this series, we're gonna go through Ephesians chapter four and we're gonna look at practical outcomes of a a theology of oneness or a theology of unity in Christ. And so that begins next week. But as we jump into that, in the middle, right at the end of chapter three, Paul prays for this church. He prays for this church. And all of chapter three, you could say is kind of a parenthesis because Paul does what Paul does on occasion. He gets so excited about something that he can't stop talking about it. And so if you look at verse one, and you look at verse 14, you will find the same words that begin both verses. And it's almost like Paul started his thought and then got so excited that he wanted to say some other stuff, and then he came back to his thought again at verse 14. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that before, but that's the apostle Paul. He was so in love with Jesus and what Jesus could do. And so chapter three is an example of that. But we're gonna start in verse 14. And we're gonna see three things that Paul prays for that I believe help us understand how vision in the church becomes reality. And we're gonna look at an example in the history of Bible Center, how that has been true. Okay, so three things. First thing, living fearlessly. Vision in the church becomes reality as we live fearlessly. Look at verse 14. It says this, for this reason, this is Paul speaking, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now he starts his prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul starts his prayer out by saying to the the church at Ephesus, to the believers at Ephesus that I pray that God will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that first of all, you will know God. You will know God. And so this morning you might find yourself here amongst a group of people who are attending church together. And you might say, I don't know God. What Paul was so excited about was God sending Jesus to save the world. He was so excited about God sending Jesus to save the world because now the world had access to God through Jesus. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life, and he died the perfect sacrificial death so that we could know God, so that we could have a relationship with God. So it's so much more than so we could wake up on Sunday morning and come to a building and sing some songs together. It's so that our eternity changes. And so the first thing that Paul is praying here when it comes to living fearlessly is that we'll know God. This morning, if you don't know God, you can know him today through Jesus, and we'd love to help you do that. We'd love to help you do that. So he's praying that we would know God. But then in context, what we're gonna see is for the believers at Ephesus and for us by extension, he is praying that we would have power to love people the way that Jesus loves people. He's praying that we would have power to love people the way that Jesus loves people. And we're gonna see, when we talk about living fearlessly, he's not talking about things like, I'm just gonna step out in front of traffic and hope. He's talking about loving in a crazy way. Loving in a way that's fearless, loving in a way that is totally different and remarkable. Loving without fear of what might be done to you. Living fearlessly. So vision in the church becomes reality as we, just like the church at Ephesus, live fearlessly. Second thing, the second thing that we see here is we love unconditionally. We live fearlessly and then we love unconditionally. Look at what he says end of verse 17. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Now that's a key phrase for us. I pray that you believers being rooted and established in love. What does that mean? That we know the love of Christ. It has changed our life that we're aware of. We've recognized and we have accepted the love of Christ for us that I can't reach God on my own. Jesus loved me so much that he did it for me. So I'm rooted and established in that, okay? Rooted and established in that. May have power, verse 18, may have power together. If you underline or circle or anything, circle that word, underline that word together. Together with all the saints. That's the us part. So individually, we're rooted and established in love so that together with everybody, with all of the saints, what? That we can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I know God, I'm living fearlessly now that I know that God loves me, but now there's this power that lives in me, this fullness of the measure of God, which basically means that I can love others the way that He does. So I'm empowered to go and love others the way that He does in remarkable ways, in ways that don't make sense, in ways that an onlooking culture goes, that's weird. How are you loving that person and how are you loving that person? It's because I'm rooted and established in the love of Christ and then together with all the saints, empowered to love unconditionally in the world we live in. So I live fearlessly, and then I love unconditionally. So vision in the church happens as God's people live fearlessly and love unconditionally. And then third, third, down in verse 20, trust completely. Trust completely. Now, he says, to him who is able. Not to him who will, but to him who is able. If you underline or you circle, circle the word able. To him who is able to do immeasurably more Then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. A lot of us like to take those verses and assign them to a lot of different things. You know, God is able, God is is able. You can do more than we ask and that's 100% true. But contextually, It's built around love. He enables us to love others in ways that we would not ever be able to do on our own. And out of that comes all kinds of things. Out of that comes all kinds of other things that take place when it comes to vision. But it's rooted and it's established in love. It's rooted and established in love. So back in 2004, I'm gonna invite Richard and Michelle Thompson to join me this morning. How many of you remember this? It's called Hearing God's Call to Grow. Hearing God's Call to Grow. A few of you put your hands up acknowledging that you were around in 2004. 2004, we published, Bible Center published a a book called Hearing God's Call to Grow. And it's remarkable. I ran across this a couple weeks ago. There's so many great things in here. It was Vision 2015 back in 2004. And that was a big deal at that time. This was prior to Bible Center even owning the property that we're on today. Okay, so this was while Bible Center Church existed at the Oakhurst campus, just down the road, um, right across from Kroger. So we existed at the Oakhurst campus, and there were some problems. The problem was we were growing too fast, which is a great problem, but still has the word problem in it. We were out of parking, we were out of space, we didn't have any more room for classes, we didn't have room in the services for people to come and find chairs. Like, we were out of space. The growth that that is in here is just absolutely remarkable. There's a rule in church life that if you're 80% full, you're too full. And we were running about 95% full. And so there was a group of people, some of you were part of this group of people, who started to sense the Lord's direction. We started to see vision for what the future could hold, and out of that was birthed this campaign, hearing God's call to grow. And Richard and Michelle Thompson were on our team at that point in kids ministry, right? Both of them in kids ministry, and now Richard is our care pastor, and Michelle is our executive director of operations—not operations, outreach. That's a different thing, totally different thing. Um, so you're gonna get a raise? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they're, they're a fantastic part of our team, but they were here when this took place. And so what we wanted to do this morning is we want to share a little bit of the story of hearing God's call to grow. What took place in those days? And how does it actually line up with what Paul is saying here about how vision becomes reality? Because in those days, this place didn't exist. This property was here, but it was trees and hills. But now we sit in this building, worshiping on a Sunday morning. Vision became reality. And so we talked about this a little bit this week. And so there are lots of things, obviously, that took place um, in those days. Um, but when you think about the concept of living fearlessly, you people that called Bible Center home uh, in in 2004, how are you challenged to live fearlessly as you went through this, this campaign?
0: So one of the things I think of right away is we made lots of plans. We were adapting space. If you were there, you know, we did overflows in the auditorium, our nurseries. We were packed everywhere. We had 270 parking places, and we were parking 345 cars some Sundays, all up and down the road. <clears throat> and we had made plans. We hired a consultant. We'd already put some money toward making plans to build parking at Oakhurst, and we decided, many of us started to feel like it wasn't big enough. God can do more than we ask or imagine. We're not thinking big enough. We need to think bigger. And so we all, and many of you that were there, you're going to remember, we paused and we prayed. Yes, we paused and we prayed. We put a stop to what we had already started. We'd already invested some money in it, but realized it wasn't big enough.
1: So you, you said some money.
0: Yes. It was money. What do you
1: mean by some money?
0: I believe if I remember right, it was a couple million dollars.
1: Yeah. It wasn't like 30 bucks. (laughs) So there's a, there was a fearless thing about that. Like like we had invested $2 million into this plan. And there was a moment where it was like, this isn't the plan. This is not it. That's pretty fearless to say, we're going to, we're going to move in a different direction, even after investing that amount of money. So there was definitely a a living fearlessly that was taking place among the people. Um, So then the second thing that we've pulled out from this passage is, is loving unconditionally. Loving unconditionally. As you go through a journey like this, there are challenges, obviously, that come your way. So talk a little bit about how that group, you guys had to love unconditionally in those moments.
0: This, after we talked about it in your office, this is actually my favorite part of this, remembering uh, we were just brainstorming and thinking, and really what came to my heart was if you were here, and once we moved on into the phase, we had the property, we had hired an architect, and we had an idea of what this building and property would look like, there was a video with a rendering, like a walkthrough. And if you were here, you remember. And the walkthrough had people standing in the lobby. There were people here in the auditorium. There were people and children down in the um, family and children ministry area, but they were faceless. There were bodies, but their faces were just blank. And we began to pray for those people because loving people that were not yet here was our goal. We wanted to bring more people to Jesus, and we didn't know who you would be. And now I look out, and some of you are here, and it almost makes me want to cry. This morning I was driving the church bus with a bunch of guys on there, and as we drove past on our way out to Harmony, we were up above the church, and I looked down, and I was thinking, all those faces, and here we are. So we loved you before we knew you.
1: Which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, So... Anytime you go through a journey like this um, as a church in particular, there's, there are moments that you're just left with nothing but trust. And you kind of just say, well, God, if that's what you want, then we'll trust you. And we're, we're not really sure what to do now, um, but we're going to trust you anyway. So does something stick out? Uh, when it comes to trusting completely?
2: We were all excited. For you that were here, remember, we got so excited. We were going to do pledges. We want, we needed $4 million, and it was a stretch beyond what we could imagine. But we kept praying, and we and started... This was,
1: this was just to buy the property. Correct. So this was not to put anything else on the property. It was just to buy the property.
2: And after looking at 28 different sites, and what's amazing is the first site we looked at... Was this property and the last site we looked at? You're sitting on this property. But we had this plan. We we're going to raise $4 million. So we put it out there to our church family. And we were so excited. And the day came when the pledges came in, it was $3.2 million. It's one of those TikTok moments of, uh oh. <laughs> What do we do now? We could have sang, Oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh no, no, no. no. Anyhow, I mean that's what we were facing. What do we do now? We needed four million dollars, but we went back and we prayed and we kept trusting. And I can tell you, three weeks later, maybe two weeks, two weeks, three weeks later, we got a gift for three point uh, three million. Three weeks later we got a gift of $3 million, which put us at $6.2 And we rejoice because God's people, once again, answered the call to build. That was the second campaign.
1: Yeah, when we were, when we were talking about it, they just finished the sentences with all the different campaigns that came after that. Um, more than we ask or imagine.
2: More than we asked or imagined. That's the
1: God we serve. Can we say thanks to Richard and Michelle? So many of you were part of that campaign, and maybe you joined in the middle of it as those processes were taking place. Um, vision becoming reality. Vision becoming reality. As a group of people said, we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to sacrifice for the Lord. We're here to love the way that Jesus loves. Even people they didn't know yet. Then God came along and multiplied that. It's not a formula. Paul's not praying a formula. He's not saying, do this, do this, and this is what happens automatically but he is giving us a whole lot of wisdom. A whole lot of wisdom. So what's next for us? As we think about the next chapter in the history of Bible Center, a church that this spring will be 80 years old. What's next for us? Well, it's this year. It's this year. Objective number four in your booklet, objective number four says this we will spend this year in a discipleship campaign anchored in Ephesians chapter four. And we, as a group of followers of Jesus, as a collective group of people who call Bible Center home, will focus on becoming a more unified, equipped and mature church for the glory of God and an increasing impact in our state. a year for a discipleship campaign. Not a financial campaign, not a building campaign, a discipleship campaign. We wanna throw ourselves into becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. And there are steps involved in that. There's movement involved in that. There's participation on our part that's involved in that, And so we're gonna do three sermon series as we go through this year that will help us focus, out of Ephesians chapter four, three sermon series. So the first one starts next week. And behind it is this concept of contending for unity. Contending for unity. As a group of believers, we want to contend for unity. We wanna fight for unity. There's a posture there for us as a church, a posture of togetherness over preferences. You know, in our culture, we fight over everything, right? We fight over everything. But what if as a church this year, we decided that unity was the thing we were willing to fight for? It was the thing we were willing to contend for. We were gonna put our energy into being unified. All throughout the New Testament, you see instructions over be unified, be unified, be one, be one. Even in John 17, Jesus prays that we would be one because that's how the world will know that the Father has sent him, that we would be one. And so it's time for us to fight for each other. Not against each other, but for each other. It's part of the remarkableness of the love of Jesus that we just looked at in Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul prays for us. It's part of the countercultural thing that takes place in the life of a believer. We love the people that we shouldn't love. We can't help it because we've been so radically changed by Christ. We can't help it. We just love people, even people that are different even people that disagree with us on name it. We love people. Now I remember in college when Emily and I were dating and we were probably three or four months in into dating. And there was a moment where I like, like, like distinctly remember, we went from fighting to break up to fighting to stay together. And like, that's the moment I knew she's gonna be my wife. Our fighting switched. The way we fought switched. The outcome we were fighting for switched. No longer was it fighting to find a reason to not have this thing continue, but now it was, it was fighting to stay together. In As a church, we're gonna fight. We're people, we're human. We have opinions, lots of them. We're gonna fight. Conflict is not the enemy. Division is the enemy. Conflict can make us better. If we all have the exact same idea, then we only need one of us. We need conflict, but we don't need division. So we fight to stay together. We debate to stay together. It's a shift in our thinking. It's a shift in the way we approach each other and church so we contend for unity. The second series in January, as we start the new year, 2023, which is actually a real year, the second thing we're going to look at this year is how to live empowered, to live empowered, you could call it equipped. But we're gonna look at how spiritual gifts are given to believers. Spiritual gifts are given to believers, not just the leaders, but to to believers. Every believer has been given spiritual gifts. And so we're gonna look at that and how that impacts you. And we're gonna help you figure out what yours is and how that applies to life in the body of Christ and how you play your part in the body of Christ, now you're a vital part of the body of Christ. And when we live that way, it creates this posture of dependence over control. Because now, if I realize that everyone else has spiritual gifts as well, then I need you and you need me in order for our church to be the church it's designed to be. There's a completion that takes place as everyone is functioning in their gifting. So it's not one person doing everything, it's all of us. Part of the ministry. And so there's a dependence on each other that emerges as we become aware of how God's gifted me and how God's gifted you. And we, come, we become appreciative of the different gifts that are among us and the diversity that's among us. And it makes us stronger, not weaker to have that. And so in January, as we go through that sermon series, we're gonna seek to unroll this equipping ministry beside it where you can dive in. You can discover how you're gifted and how you fit in the local church. And then the third one, as we hit the spring, we're going to talk about growing continually, maturity, as Paul would say. Growing continually. It's this posture of curiosity over arrogance. A person who's growing continually has this ongoing curiosity, like I wanna know more, I wanna learn more, I wanna be different. It's not an arrival, and in the Christian life, it's not about arrival. The more you grow to become like Christ, the more humility you develop, not arrogance. And many times in our culture, knowledge leads to arrogance. But in the church, counterculturally, the more I become like Jesus, the more humble I am as a result. And so, as a church, humility being a hallmark of who we are. I want to be more like Christ in the way that I live and the way that I love. And so, this spring, We're going to look at how we grow continually. So this year, you could say, is a year of formation. It's a year of formation, spiritual formation in our life. As you've looked at the pattern last week in Acts chapter 2 and this week in Ephesians chapter 3, what you see are churches who are becoming more like Jesus and God takes care of the expansion. Last week we saw the verse and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And this week we see the verse to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. It's the Lord that takes care of the expansion. We double down on becoming who Jesus has called us to be and God multiplies. And God multiplies. That's a great place to be because it's on him. And so when we think about vision realized and we think about how do we impact our state and how do we realize a vision where there's a network of three and then maybe in 2040, there's a network of 40 or 50 or whatever it is and there's impact across the state. It starts with a group of people here who call Bible Center home who say, I'm gonna become more like Jesus. And together, we are gonna become more like Jesus. We are gonna contend for unity over preference. We're gonna contend for unity over preference. We're gonna to seek to understand how it is we're gifted and we're gonna value everybody's gift among us and we're gonna grow. We're gonna grow. We're gonna do the work on our part to grow. We're gonna participate in our own growth so that God can multiply. I'm excited about this coming year. I'm excited where God's gonna take us as a church excited for what he has for us around the corner. I'm excited to see him develop us into the body of Christ that he's called us to be. I'm excited what he continues to do through us. We can look to the past for his faithfulness and we can look to the future with anticipation. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this idea called vision. That was your idea. You're the author of that. And we pray that you would see that come to pass here, that we would be a more unified church as we exit 2022 that we would be a more equipped church as we begin 2023 and that we would continue to grow as we round into next summer. And we pray that you will multiply those efforts, that you would bring impact to people across our state who need to know Christ. We'll give you the glory in Jesus' name, amen.
0: For more information, visit us at biblecenterchurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.